This show is pleased to bring you Whiskey Western Tongue Wednesday, direct from Dodge City, Kansas, featuring rich topics on the legends of the old West. Whiskey to motivate, Westerns to inspire, get it, play it, drink it. My name is Mike King, and I'd like to welcome you to Whiskey and Westerns on Wednesday. My name is Brad Smalley, and tonight we're going to be talking about the history of Boot Hill in Dodge City. Mike, tonight we're going to be drinking uh, some Boot Hill whiskey. Since we're talking about Boot Hill, what a lot of people don't know is that the all, all those death and burials that, that happened on Boot Hill in the early days of Dodge, uh, they've been given, the hill itself has been given new life with a distillery built on top of Southwest Kansas only distillery, and we're going to be drinking their whiskey. What do you have to offer us? Well, we got two of them this evening. Oh, uh, that's even better. That's even better. Uh, we have got, we're going to start off with the Boot Hill White Whiskey. Now, this is uh, the first product that they put out. Uh, it's a very young whiskey, it's actually their bourbon mash. Uh, this is 51% corn. It's 49% hard red, hard excuse me, hard red winter wheat. Comes out at 40% ABV, and it is aged. It's very very young. They call it aggressively young. This is aged in the barrels for one week. Now this is also what they call a baby bourbon. I said it's, it's the bourbon mash bill. This is aged for one week. They leave that in there for two more years. And we're going to have Boot Hill Distillery Bourbon. This has been on the market now for well over a year. Okay. Yeah, it's uh, that young age. It's clear. It is. It almost looks like a wine. One week, get just enough. I don't know if you can see that on camera. It gives it just enough for that straw color to sort of develop. This is the white whiskey. White whiskey. White whiskey. Well, I can see why they call it white whiskey. It's just almost clear. Almost. almost All right. Well, let's do a toast for tonight's show. It's got, now it does taste young. Yes. But it's got, with all that wheat in there, it's such a, a high wheat content. Mm-hmm. You get a real strong uh, nose and, and flavor of vanilla right up front. And it's got some pepper in it as well. It does. It, once that vanilla starts to dissipate, it goes on the back end. You got mm-hmm. peppercorn, of course, real strong oak. Uh, and, and not much else yet. It's, it's still young enough that not a lot of complexity. But it's it's very versatile. I've made whiskey readers out of this stuff. Now this is a little bit older. Okay. This is the what they call the red eye. Now isn't this their award winning? This has won several, several awards. Yes. Okay. So at the uh, the Heartland Spirit Festival in Chicago, uh, this was awarded the best whiskey in Kansas. Very good. Okay. Uh, it's got a couple of bronze medals at a few different whiskey competitions. This is the red eye. Red eye. Okay. There's a, since we're talking about Boot Hill, you know, I can't remember the name, but I remember the epitaph on his grave was uh, Red Eye spoiled his dead eye and he was killed in a fair fight. <laughs> I love the humor on some of those old. I know, so yeah, yeah. Here lies Leslie Moore shot by a 44. Right. They had, they had some good ones. Now, this here, as you see, that's a little bit darker. Uh, that's aged between one to two months as opposed to one week. Uh, this starts out with that same bourbon uh, mash bill that the white whiskey does. Mm-hmm. 
adds a little bit more corn whiskey to it, so it winds up being a bit sweeter. Uh, the extra age on it has softened out the rough edges a little bit. Yeah, you can't hardly smell anything with this one. No, it does. It's it, really it's light. Still, it, it's got a thinner mm-hmm. taste because, again, it just hasn't yeah. had time to really Well, and it's really changed develop. a little color on us, well, too. If you notice, it's, it's, it's got almost that... Uh, about the uh, dark... The, I want to say the color of uh, an apple juice, maybe. Yeah, yeah. All right. And it is... Uh, it's great for making Manhattan. So this, this is, I would call this a cocktail whiskey. You know, I like this. It's pretty... It's light. Yeah. Do you think we'll be able to come go up there and actually taste it on site? As a matter of fact, yes. Uh, I have talked with the, the distillery, mm-hmm. and uh, mm-hmm. they have invited us to do a podcast up there. We'll probably wind up doing more than one. So we can actually go up there, do a live show right there in the distillery. On top of on, Boot on Hill. On top of Boot Hill. In the distillery, absolutely. All right. So look forward to that. Who first owned the land uh, around Boot Hill? Well, as, as I always like to tell people, Boot Hill is that there there's always seems to be some sort of misconception about a, a boot hill. Boot hill is just a sort of a moniker that you put on a piece of geography. It, it's a hill that they started off with. I uh, see the first owner was, you know, had been there since God put it there. Um, of course, over time, it was, you see it in several early photographs before there was anything. Uh, the, I think we've, we've featured it mm-hmm. uh, in maybe book or on a podcast. We have, we have. The, the Henry Sittler Ranch, right. the building, and the pole, and you can see Boot Hill off in the distance uh, several years before anything happened up there. Uh, but then over time, as people started moving in the area, buffalo hunters, traders, that sort of thing, uh, Thomas Nixon was an early day settler out here, uh, later became very notable in Dodge City history. Right. We, we do know that Thomas Nixon at one point owned the land that became the Boot Hill Burial Ground. Uh, we know that also not just from that deed, but from several references like the uh, uh, the diary, uh, Henry Raymond's diary. Henry Raymond's diary. He mentioned, uh, he mentioned after right. coming back from a buffalo hunt, uh, he and Ed and Bat Masterson, they just stayed at Thomas Nixon's ranch on the hill. That's correct. There and regular made regular trips into town every night. Uh, and he he did he described some of their activities as well that we might not talk about <laughs> at this time. Well, but. probably yeah. We I think we did a little bit in in uh, the Hellcat session that we, we did. did. We, we talked a little got about mature, that. Yeah, recall, yeah. yeah. Mature audience offerings. Um, okay, so now we, we've got Henry, Henry Settler. We have um, Thomas Nixon. They're the landowners. Uh, the hill, is that the highest point in Dodge? Uh, in that area. Okay. Yes, as, as you go north in Dodge, the elevation really goes uphill. Uh, by the time you get clear to the north end of town and just look south, you can see for miles. Okay, so but when you're that sitting area where the city yeah. was found, yes, Boot Hill was the highest spot in the area. Uh, as they started dragging people out there to bury them, uh, which really was just convenient uh, at that time, it was far enough outside of town to keep the uh, the stink and the critters from digging them up and dragging the corpses back to town. But the joke at the time was, I think it popped up in a newspaper that it was again the highest spot in the area because the people that were buried there needed the head start to heaven. 
Okay. So, of course, you'd pick the highest point in that. Okay. So, how did Boot Hill first become established, and who were the first individuals to find the hill as their first resting place? Well, it's we know a few names. Uh, it's hard to pinpoint a lot of them because they just weren't keeping records in those days. And a lot of the early newspapers uh, from those first few years of Dodge City, uh, we just we don't have. Right. Uh, because of fires and right. various reasons. But uh, from other sources, people who are here writing about such things, uh, we know two of the first people who were buried out there were uh, Charlie Morehouse. Okay. Uh, and that goes best. back to the story of uh, the first one of the second saloon. Right. We uh, talked about to, uh, uh, Brown, who right. do Brown. I don't know that we mentioned his name, though, at the no, time. No, we probably haven't. But go ahead and tell that story, because that's a very good one. Charlie Morehouse. Story. Right. He was uh, an early day example of just what kind of a hell on earth place Dodge City really was. Uh, who do Brown? who followed up George Hoover's saloon. Right. Uh, once saloons started coming up, uh, seemed that well, that seems like a good business to get in. He's doing well. I want to start a saloon. And it was just a couple of, you know, a lot or so down from, from Hoover's. And as the track layers and buffalo hunters and soldiers and everybody were coming in, it got pretty rowdy. Right. And uh, Morehouse, he got you know, caught up in just another gunfight, uh, blown away. And well, there's over a saloon girl is what I understand. Yeah, and the yeah. two got jealous at each other, and mm-hmm. he held the other guy at uh, at bay for a while, made, forced him to drink whiskey uh, right. in, in Hoodoo Brown's saloon, mm-hmm. wouldn't release him. And finally, when he went off to relieve himself, he uh, he snuck out. Right, and then he got his partners and came back, and then there was a big gunfight, and so he ended up on. He ended up in Boot Hill. Wow, probably again based on the accounts that we have in this story. Uh, the only source that we really have for that whole story comes from Brown himself. Yeah, that's right. Who yeah. wrote years later? Right. Uh, so we we have to take that as as virtual gospel. Yeah. Certainly, certainly, nothing contradicts it. And that's the difference between fact and fiction, myth and legend. Myth and legend. Myth and legend. Right. But again, a lot of times you can separate the two fairly easily. Especially if Brown's account, it was fairly event by event. Yeah, especially if you have have a body to prove it. Exactly. Yeah. Well, that was, depending on a couple of different versions of that story, best we can figure, that was December 3rd, 1870. I'm sorry, September Third, eighteen seventy-two. There's That's another story right that before the railroad December. gets here. Right, two days. Two days. Okay. Because on September the fifth, which is the date that the railroad tracks arrived in Dodge City, we had our our first uh, sort of more recorded version of murder that we had more than more than one source. So Morehouse is the first occupant of Boot Hill, as far as we know. Okay, so he's up there waiting for company. Right. Okay. So who well, who had established then that Boot Hill was really becoming established before there was a Dodge City? Uh, and then on the 5th, which is the day that the Atchison, Topeka, the Santa Fe Railroad tracks arrived in Dodge City, a man by the name of Jack Reynolds <laughs> yeah. was shot six times mm. by one of the track layers. Yeah. 
again, that one we don't have as many details like we do on the Charlie Morehouse mm-hmm. story. We just know know the event, right? And even then, we don't have local sources for that. It was other newspapers in the area that were already fascinated by what was going on in Dodge City. People would travel; they would tell of the things that they saw, things that happened. And people across the country were already fascinated with what was going on in little nothing Dodge City. So now Boot Hill has a population of two. Two occupants so far. Okay, two occupants. And this is only September 1872. All right. Okay. So who's the next occupant? Well, things happen uh, from there there on. Uh, there's stories of you know two people being killed a month. No, what about Essington? You remember, yeah, Mr. Essington? Uh, yeah, Mr. Essington, and the owner of the Cox Hotel. Right. He was he was a carpenter. Right. Who worked on the hotel? He was also a co-owner. Right. And one of those stories don't make your cook angry. <laughs> he uh, had a little bit too much. Whiskey. Too much, probably red eye. Right. And the cook working in the hotel, they got crosswise with Mr. Essington, and the cook came out and shot him. Yep. And after that, it, so yeah, don't yeah, make your cook mad. Don't make the cook mad. Don't make the cook mad. By this time, also we've got. I, I keep coming back. I use the phrase "hell on earth" mm-hmm. because Dodge was those first two, three years. It was just a miserable, miserable place. We've got then Ed Hurley. Ed Hurley and a friend, they were in a saloon there, and just whatever started the event, another gun battle ensued. People pulling their guns, shooting right and left, just everywhere, bullets flying, and uh, Ed and his friend were killed. So you had, from there, okay, you had the, the vigilance committee was becoming a thing. That's right, because they got really kind of tired of people. All the random violence. Yeah. Stuff. And, and they had, well, another example that I forgot to mention was that Buffalo Hunter McGill. That's right. Yeah. On, Jan- on New Year's Day. Yeah. Uh, he just, just the guy. Poor McGill him. had too much whiskey. Death. He amused himself by riding through town, shooting bullets at anything that caught his eye. That's just what he did for fun. And one of the things that caught his eye happened to be a young 16 year old boy. That's and right. McGill just shot him dead. And uh, so here comes the vigilante. For some reason. My name is Koji. And I'm Michelle. And this is the Japanese America podcast. So this is where we look at all things Japanese American. We will bring alive the history, culture, and people that make up this diverse community. In this month's episode, we'll examine Koji's unique family history. To help bring this story alive, we brought on actor and comedian Derek Mio. He was reported to be extremely pro-Japanese and anti-American in sentiment. Her husband was taken into custody by the military authorities under a warrant authorized by the Secretary of War, who was his enemy of the United States. He was my grandfather on my dad's side. To hear more stories about Japanese America, you can listen to this podcast anywhere you normally download your podcast. Nobody did anything to go after it, uh, at least for a few more months. But the, yeah, that's one of those events that really got, right. we've got to do something. There's no law. Dodge City's not incorporated. We don't have a city government. We don't even have a county government yet. There's no law out here to speak of at all. So a group of 
men, they formed a vigilante committee like many boom towns did throughout the West. So when we start looking at the history of, of Boot Hill, uh, now we have five or six people, occupants out there, and there's almost a killing, according to records, mm-hmm. uh, there's almost a killing every month. Oh, yeah. Yep. And of course, a all of them there. were buried on Bowie Hill. Some of That's them true. have families that took their bodies back home. Sometimes people were buried on Boot Hill but, while their family came to get them, and then they took them back home. But kind of Boot Hill was really a poor man's burial. It was. Yeah, if you didn't have money in your pocket or you didn't have family nobody around, you, nobody gave you just you. went up there and yep. they planted you and put a little wooden sign over your right. head, and there you go. So... And they were lucky if they got a sign. Let's talk about some of the other characters that uh, were planted out there at, at Boot Hill after their death. I think there was a, a, a gal by the name of Lizzie Palmer mm-hmm. that may have uh, spent time on the hill before they remodeled it. Uh, so t- let's talk about her. I mean, she may have been the first woman buried out there on the hill. Yeah, we know that there were two. Uh, and Lizzie was Lizzie was quite a woman. I love her story. And this is several years later. Dodge City is well established. Uh, they, they certainly have law enforcement by now. Civilization has arrived in Dodge City. They've even got churches. Um, but Dodge didn't really have a cemetery to call its own at this, at this time and didn't for several years. Which is where the Lizzie Palmer story becomes significant. Because as I mentioned, Dodge City already has churches at this point. And another one of my favorite Dodge Cityans comes into play here, Reverend Ormond Wright. Okay, yeah. I'm glad you mentioned him. cannot tell the story, the full story of Dodge, without bringing Reverend Wright into it. Uh, He was a young man from Barnegat, New Jersey. Uh, He graduated seminary up there, and he was quite literally sent to the mission field of Dodge City, Kansas. Go out there. Build a church. Uh, he was he was quite a man. He and his young wife, they were out here. They were living in the Dodge house. And they had just got out here. Wright was very frustrated. He wasn't seeing any church building efforts come to fruition. He was collecting money. He was asking for donations, standing outside the saloon door with his hat in his hand. Uh, people would give him a few chips. He'd cash those in, trying to get money to build his church. And he was devoted. Absolutely devoted. There are Christians, and then there are people like Reverend Wright that make the rest of them look bad. Right. That's that's. So he he came for a purpose, and he really had the passion to build a church. And he just nothing was happening. He was frustrated to no end. He was about to give up until one night. Resi Bomber. There was a knock on his hotel door. Right. Several knocks, in fact. He gets up in the middle of the night, he goes to the door, and there's a bunch of cowboys out there who knew what he was, who he was, why he was there. And they said that that Lizzie had died, and will you do, we need you to perform a service for her. Now, Lizzie was, she was, she was a whore. Yeah, one of, one of the many it, prostitutes yeah, in Dodge true. City. Uh, uh, early, uh, early prostitutes. Right. And to be a woman in old Dodge City, no matter what your profession might have been, you had to be a hell of a human being and a hell of a woman to survive and make it. Not just to survive, but to be as beloved as Lizzie was. Right. She was well thought of, not just by the cowboys that 
and folks that went to her to ply her trade, but by the general populace, she was a well-respected citizen. And immediately, well, what caused her demise, since she had been in a scuffle with another girl out in the streets, uh, Lizzie had got a, a cut on her right. scalp. Right. Who knew what they were fighting in, all the mud and the blood and the bear. It, the scalp got infected, and, and she died of the infection. Uh, and immediately, Reverend Wright said that he knew he had to get up and go out and do a service now, for a Now, most preachers wouldn't have done that. And that was the problem. They'd already tried two others. Yeah, okay. Would, so they'd already tried two. But, but he was the one. He was the one. So he really had a lot of passion he said this, for everyone. This is what I need to do. Right. Because of who I am, because of why I'm here, I need to do this. He didn't care that two other people... Preachers uh, had already refused. He didn't care what she did for a living. He didn't care where they were going to bury her. All he knew is this was something that he needed to do. He got up, did a funeral service for Lizzie. And after that, he could do no wrong. Uh, Absolutely no wrong. He had his church built very quickly after that. Uh, And and lived here. He was the minister of Dodge City. The union church that he started became the Presbyterian Church that is still an active congregation in Dodge City. It's the oldest active congregation in Dodge. Uh, But even then... Uh, he he finally Reverend Wright just had enough. He suffered a nervous breakdown. He did. Yeah, I remember. Set himself uh, reading about an that. institution. Right. Uh, was yeah. there for two years. He almost went insane. Didn't he did, he? Yeah. and retired back to New Jersey. Yeah. Um, and and preached in a church up there for the rest of his life. Eventually, Boot Hill had to be closed, mm-hmm. and a new cemetery had to be reopened. Can you give us some background on? when a new cemetery was open, and what happened to the land after the cemetery was closed? Well, Dodge City was growing fast, uh, and faster every day. And, and this is what year? Uh, we're looking about 1878. There was already talk of closing Boot Hill for a lot of reasons, one of which was that was valuable land. Dodge City, by this time, had already started to grow up around it. It was a very, it was an area with a very negative connotation. Because of the time in Dodge City that it represented, people were starting to want to put that era behind them. Uh, They were sick and tired already of people all over the country being fascinated with the death, the violence, everything that was going on in early Dodge. We're a growing town. We want to be a metropolis. Think about what we are now, not what we were. Right. The future of Fort Dodge was in question. Uh, There was already talk about closing the military fort. That being the only legitimate cemetery that Dodge Cityans were using, it was time they needed an actual city cemetery. So they needed to open one up. Right. Okay. And what was the name of the cemetery? They wanted Prairie Grove Cemetery. Okay. And where was that located? That was, at that time, several blocks northeast of, of town. Uh, okay. Today, it's about the 1700 block of Avenue C. Okay. Where did they bury Ed Masterson? Because this is another one of those stories that... Um, Initially, Ed, uh-huh. uh, when he was killed, was buried at Fort Dodge. Okay. There are descriptions of the funeral procession and the order, everybody who was in it, all marching out to Fort Dodge, uh, very detailed uh, in that. 
once Fort Dodge did close in 1882, okay, they had to, and it became through various reasons strictly the the Kansas Soldiers Home, right, uh, which it still serves in that capacity today, the uh, Kansas Military Cemetery. Uh, which was the, the effort for that were spearheaded by a lot of local Dodge Cityans, including Dog Kelly. But the civilians who were buried out there had to be exhumed and then moved up to Prairie Grove, the city cemetery. So they were moving people off of Boot Hill. They did. Uh, Boot Hill was closed in late 1878, early 18. And they were moving people out of Fort Dodge. Mm-hmm. And they were all moving them to Prairie Grove. Grove. Okay. Now, the Boot Hill folks, this is significant because in that photograph of Webster's uh, funeral, funeral, Uh you can see this very lovely landscape, fenced-in city cemetery. Right. But then those Boot Hill folks, if they were allowed to be buried in an actual cemetery, they would have been in one to begin with, not Boot Hill. We call Boot Hill a cemetery. It wasn't one. Okay. Boot Hill was a dumping ground for people that weren't good enough to be buried in a cemetery. Right. When they exhumed all those Boot Hill people because they want the city wanted to use that area to to continue to grow and build things on, they dug up everybody that they could find, and then moved them about thirty yards outside the fence of Prairie Grove Cemetery. Okay. In that a photograph of Webster's funeral, right. you can see the, the fence cemetery and several yards this okay. side of it is that collection of lumps in the dirt and broken down markers. So there's there's really actually two mysteries behind all of this, this move from Boot Hill uh, out to Prairie Grove. One of them happens to be Dora Hand, and the other one happens to be uh, Ed Masterson. The Ed Masterson story is that what I understand is that there was a a fire that came through there, and they had promised a stone headstone for him because he was part of the fire fire department. But when the but at the time when the fire came through, it burned a lot of headstones because they were all made out of wood. And they even called Bat Masterson in, and they said, "Bat, where did they bury your brother?" And uh, in fact, he said, "I don't know." And that was that was eighty seven. 1887 okay. when Prairie Grove was closed and Bat was in town in November of that year. Gotcha. But he was just in town for, for a couple of weeks. He put out his that issue of the Vox Populi, his political newspaper. Right. That's, yes, I remember. And then he was gone the day after that came out to press. Right. So we, we like to assume that at least at that time, they still knew where Ed was. Prairie Grove was closed. They plotted Maple Grove Cemetery, which is our, our current city cemetery, still in Dodge City, the big one. And they exhumed everybody from out there. And, and moved them again. Maple Grove. Right. Then, like you alluded to, there were some that were left, some that they, they moved the bodies, came back to get the markers, and then that fire wiped out the markers. Right. Uh, so Ed is one of a few people that was probably moved to Maple Grove, but we don't, don't know, know which grave is right. Okay. There are, there are so several unmarked graves, graves out, out there. there. When it comes to Dora, also, we don't know. Right. Yeah. Um, because while, see, Ed, that was 1878. Ed was killed in April. Uh, Dora Hand was killed in October. Right. And even though there are 
multiple descriptions of, of how big her funeral was, there are no details about where it was. Well, for our folks out there, that? for our folks out there uh, listening today, uh, as we get close to closing, uh, let's talk about Boot Hill and what it looks like today. Uh, in an effort to change the face of what that little piece of landscape was, they built the Third Ward Schoolhouse up there. Okay. They figured, well, Boot Hill, that's where people sort of learn their final lesson, so turning it into a place of education seemed like a logical thing to do. Uh, they built Dodge City's first multi-room schoolhouse okay. there at the top of Boot Hill. It can be seen for miles, again, highest spot in the area. And that was in what year? That was 1879. Okay. After the, the, burial, uh, the burial ground had been closed. So immediately they come in and they put a school right on top of it. Uh, in fact, later that year, when President uh, Rutherford B. Hayes traveled through, right. stopped in Dodge City, visited, he commented, on the schoolhouse at the top of Boot Hill, signifying Dodge City's commitment to education. The city outgrew that school after about 10 years. Uh, they tore it down. They built a larger one on the same spot, and that stood and was in use until about 1927. Okay. Which at this point, I, Dodge City is still growing, growing very rapidly, and they needed a new, larger city hall. Uh, more than just a city hall, they needed a municipal building. Uh, so all of the various city departments could be in one location. They tore down that schoolhouse, which they was not in great shape anymore. Anyway, it had been overused, over full. They built the municipal building up there, a very beautiful building, uh, sort of a nouveau Spanish mission style influence, which reflects our, our heritage out here. And that was the city building. Everything was in there. The city jail, uh, city judges, clerks, all the city officers, the fire department was in there. And that was in use. Uh, the last department fully moved out in 2004. So that now is? over. It sat empty for quite a while. Right. And again, the highest spot in the area. Okay. Everybody in the area could see it. Several years, over a decade of an empty building, Urban Blight had set in. Dodge City wanted to do something with it. It's a beautiful historic building. We're not going to tear it down if we can avoid it at all costs. The city went out and said, if anybody has an idea of what we can do with this building, and you can be in there and open for business in one year, you'll get it. Well, three Southwest Kansas farmers came and said, you know what? Dodge City started out by selling whiskey. We need to be selling whiskey again. And up there on top of Boot Hill, that would be a fantastic place for a distillery to start making whiskey out of Dodge City again. They city thought, that's a great idea. Let's do it. And so now it's called? That old city building on the top of Boot Hill is now... Boot Hill, Boot Hill Distillery. So born from America. Let's take a toast to Boot Hill Distillery, the entrepreneurs of Dodge City, when anytime the economics are bad and, uh, in the world, it seems like Dodge City has the people put together and uh, everybody else out there may be suffering, but the entrepreneurs here in this city, let's toast to them. And the Boot Hill Distillery. Boot Hill Distillery and entrepreneurs. That's it for now. 
Remember to check out our Wild West podcast on iTunes Podcast at wildwestpodcast.buzzsprout.com. If you would like to view the video portion of our show, you can catch us on Facebook at www.facebook.com slash wildwestpodcast. Thanks for listening to our podcast.